0: Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Well, Good to see everybody this morning. For you guys who don't know me, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet. My name is Sean and I'm the lead pastor here at Northeast Community Church. And I'm grateful to be uh, able to uh, lead this wonderful Wonderful church. I'm a little tired this morning. Um, the elders and our wives went out uh, this weekend uh, for a elders retreat where we prayed and we thought vision and we cast vision and we did a couple of things this weekend. And uh, I'm not gonna say who ran the uh, the meetings, but man, they were they were a lot and fast and frantic, and they stayed on top of us. But it was a really good thought exercise. My favorite part of the weekend was that we had the opportunity to just spend time and reflect over where we've come as a church over the years. We've been through a lot of transition. We've been through a lot of hard things, but a lot of beautiful things have come from it. I just want to share one thing with you guys this morning because I realize that on Sunday mornings, you don't get to see the impact of what's happening on Sunday nights. We have 30 kids to show up in this building on a consistent basis. And on a church size, that like that's like crazy, right? And it's due to, we have a bunch of young adults and college age students who actually go out and pick up kids. Uh, these kids are parts of other churches and their parents welcome them and tell them, yeah, go over there. We've had youth pastors from other churches come over here to see what we're doing, this little tiny church in the middle of Pflugerville, Texas. And so um, there's some wonderful things happening on Sunday nights and lives are being impacted. And if your child is not a part of it, I, uh, I strongly urge you to bring them out and let them see and experience what's happening on Sunday nights at 530. It's an awesome, awesome thing to see. Uh, and so we are starting our Advent series where Advent is. It just simply means we're building up with the anticipation of uh, seeing Jesus uh, come on the day that he comes. And so we know that Jesus has already come, but and it didn't even happen when on the day that we celebrate. Uh, christmas but we designate this time of year in our nation to uh celebrate christmas on this date and so um again i knew my technology wasn't going to work this morning and so uh if, if ryan if you can pull up that keynote that i pulled up and i probably minimized and broke earlier that's why they don't let me in the tech booth um but we're celebrating christmas uh and we know that christmas brings gifts Right, Like that's the thing that we do. Christmas brings I'm not going to bring that to you. He, we made eye contact. He was like, "Is that for me? No, it's not for you <laughs> And uh Christmas brings gift. And so uh last year, when we celebrated the Christmas season, we talked about Christmas presents, and we didn't say presents with a TS., but presents, like the presence of God. And we talked about the things that God brings. His presence was our Christmas present. But this year, we have a wonderful creative team, and they decided for me. No, I'm just joking. We decided together that each time that we, uh, we discuss one of the gifts, we're going to gift the church a reminder of that gift. And so, like, I don't know if y'all can see inside there. Like, you have one in front of you. So, if you have a Tootsie Roll Pop in front of you that is yours today, you're like, what does a Tootsie Roll Pop got to do with church? I'm glad you asked. Um, and so, we want to gift you with a Tootsie Roll Pop because it's symbolic this morning of hope. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning is hope, the hope of things to come. And so anybody ever, who I got control again, anybody ever, are you old enough to remember the old uh, Tootsie Roll Pop commercials with that little boy right there? See, I put the Tootsie Roll Pops at the bottom because some of these kids, you're not going to remember that. You're like, why is that boy shaking a little happy face at an owl? I don't know. And so... But if you remember, uh, the long version, the shorter version came out longer. They, they started shortening commercials. But the longer version is the little boy wanted to know how many licks it took to get to the center of a Tissy Roll Pop, right? Reagan, you're going like you know. You don't know, girl. You're too young. Okay. <laughs> and so first they said he went to Mr. Cow because, you know, cows lick stuff all day. The cow should know how many licks it gets to the center of a Tissy Roll Pop. And so the boy asked Mr. Cow, and Mr. Cow said he didn't know. He said, I don't know. He says, I always end up biting it. I always end up biting it. And he said, ask Mr. Fox, because he's clever. And surely clever foxes will know how many licks it takes to get to the center of a tootsie roll pop. And so he asked Mr. Fox, and Mr. Fox said he don't know. He always bites it. And so then Mr. Fox says, ask Mr. Turtle. Because Mr. Turtle's been here a long time, and surely he knows, after all his years of experience, how to get to the center of a Tussie Roll Pop. Mr. Turtle says, uh, I don't know. I always end up biting it. And so Mr. Turtle says, listen, you need to talk to Mr. Owl, and then we get to Mr. Owl. He said, Mr. Owl. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a tussie roll pop? And Mr. Owl is smart, and we know owls are wise, and so he went to the wise owl, and the wise, wise owl said, Let's see, because he's a wise owl. He said, Let's see. And he goes, One. What do you say after that? A two. Yes, yeah, there you go. <laughs> a three. And crunch. He said, It takes three to get to the center of a tussie roll pop. And the little boy looks up and goes, I hate a smart owl. <laughs> Y'all remember that? I hate a smart owl. But why is it so hard as Reagan, is that a Tootsie Roll Pop you have in your mouth right now? She couldn't even wait. See, what? breed <laughs> popped it in, in her mouth already. Didn't even wait till the end of service. I'm not going to say nothing, Javon. I'm not looking over there. I'm not going to look over there. How many licks does it take? Why is it so hard to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop through licking it? Why? Because we anticipate that Tootsie Roll in the middle. We anticipate that Tootsie Roll in the middle. Since 1931, they've been tricking us, and nobody knows how much it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop. I've looked online, and I've researched, it. anybody ever figure it out? And there have been people who did research, and one man made a lick machine... And he said on the average it's 532 licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop. But then somebody said a machine won't count. So he paid college students to lick and not bite. And so they averaged about 100. I think they were licking a little harder because they were trying to get to the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop. And so there's been all these numbers that go out there. It's from 500 to 125. And there is nothing uh, uh, that lets us know the exact number. But the implication is that we recognize the brand from the time we see it and we know what we want is really in the middle. Like, who's a... I'm, I'm really not a sucker guy, but I do like Tootsie Rolls, right? And so I ain't gonna never tell you how many... I mean, it just, it's just crunch from day one. Like, I, you, as soon as it gets soft up to bite, it's on and popping in their raw. And based upon the Tootsie Roll brand, everybody who's sucking on to that Tootsie Roll right now, I knew some of y'all would, y'all would be mad if you got to the middle of that Tootsie Roll pop and there wasn't no Tootsie Roll in there. (laughs) You would call Mr. Tootsie and let him know that you got a pop that was malfunctioning, right? Because we hope for the Tootsie Roll in the middle of the pop. Now, fortunately, we can preempt how quickly it gets there. I'm so glad that they put the Tootsie Pop Tootsie roll in the middle of the pop and they don't make you mail in a stick and say, I finished it, can you send me my Tootsie Roll? Like it, like, like like, like it, the anticipation is there. And we hope for that Tootsie Roll. And some of you may be saying, This past is crazy if you're just visiting. And I'll take that. I'll take that. Um but shut up, Rosie. <laughs> But in our anticipation of Christ, in our anticipation of his coming, we can't get to it as easy as we can, crunch through that crunchy hard shell to get to what we're expecting. And so today what we're going to talk about is this thing called anticipation and expectation that is in hope. And my iPad broke again, so we're just going to stop it and we're just going to wing it. How about that? Anybody good with that? So the biblical definition of hope is the confident assurance of something better in the future that changes my current reality. The anticipation of something better in the future that changes my current reality. This is not like kids like, you know, you've been good most of the year. You ain't did nothing too bad. And you told your mama for Christmas you wanted a PlayStation or an Xbox or a bike or whatever you're into nowadays. You told mama or daddy that's what you wanted. And now you're hoping that they get it for you. And parents, we are evil and cruel sometimes. We wrap up stuff that look like stuff and stuff ain't really in it. And the kids said, "Amen." we talk about this on Sunday nights. I got to bring them. Why is it so hard to just wait? Why is it so hard to just anticipate what happened in the future and then live my life according to that? Now, I'll give you a, a clue. We're sinners and we want instant gratification. And that's what the enemy will always trick us with. Instant gratification. If you just do this now, God will give you grace and he'll favor you later. But if you just do this now, it's going to make you feel so much better. If you just handle things your way instead of God's way, it'll be so much greater. And so in our spiritual walk, we take one, a two, maybe a three licks. And we'll try to get to the gratification on the inside of us that we can. And God's like, it doesn't work. Because what you're hoping for should dictate your current reality. And so the children of Israel were God's chosen people. And God sent these prophets to them. And when God sent these prophets to the children of Israel, he sent them most of the time to warn them that they were getting off track and they were not doing the things they were supposed to do. I see you biting the Titsy roll, Reagan. Don't stop cheating. They were cheating with their tootsie rolls. And God would say, listen, you're doing great, like, while you're in the temple, but when you're outside the temple, you're acting a fool. It's not reflecting the reality that you understand who I am and the things that I've asked you to do. And so because of this, if you don't turn, if you don't start living like you have a hope in me, I'm going to send someone to cap- send you into captivity, and you ain't going to like it. And so we understand that this guy named Jeremiah, they call him the weeping prophet, Jeremiah was sent not only to Israel, he was sent to the nations to tell them about the goodness of God. And he was sent to warn them about what God would do if they did not place their hope in him. And so in Jeremiah. Thirty three. I think it's thirty three. I lost my iPad. Got to go to a regular old Bible. What is this about? Y'all running from back there? Sue, you are so awesome. I'm sorry. Sue's awesome. Jeremiah 33 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at the time that I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely, and this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And so Jeremiah was preemptively telling the Israelites about they were going to go into captivity, that they were going to do all these things, and he said, but listen, when you're in the midst of it, understand that God rescues, that God saves, that God's presence will be with you in the midst of your hard times. We talked about earlier last week that Christmas is the season. This season is the season of the most suicides in any other time of year. Because I believe that we place our hope in so many other things that are just failing and fleeting. And when those things don't measure up, when those things don't fill our our, 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 our good seeker on the inside, what happens is we give up and we lose hope. And a person without hope is a dangerous person. Not only to others, but to themselves. And so God said that he will rescue them. Just hold on. And then check this out. Because God is a good God and he's a smart God. He didn't talk to them for 400 years. They went into captivity and God stopped talking. He gave a promise and then he stopped talking. And they had to wait. Now, I can imagine some people in the room, you can say, that would just be torture because that's more than a lifetime. People died not not, not, not receiving the promise. We get all bent out of shape when God don't speak after two prayer sessions. When God doesn't just come through and rescue us in the midst of our situation. God said, no, 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 no. You're going to go through some things. You're going to go through some things because I told you you're going to go through some things because I I tried to preemptively warn you. But here's the thing. I'm going to come near again. My presence is going to come back and the Lord is going to be your righteousness. Some people need to hear that today. Some of us in this Christmas season, we won't let ourselves off the hook. We've done some things and we feel like God is chastising us and God may be chastising you. And he feel like God is chastising me. And then I like, 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 there's like, there's no hope for me. But God in this season, reminds us that he is our hope. We don't just have hope, he is our hope. And so based upon Jeremiah 33 and countless other scriptures in the Old Testament, Jesus showed up on the scene. Jesus came on the scene, and that's why we celebrate Christ in this season, Christ in me, the hope of glory. He came and He was born. He became a man, just like you and I, with all of our weakness and our shortcomings, yet without sin. So Christ knew what it was like to be hungry. Christ knew what it was like to have someone turn their back on Him, as Judas. Christ knew what it was like to be denied by His best friends. And He came to show us a better way. And so we're celebrating his first coming and we're understanding that Christ came and he was a, he was their hope. He showed up. He currently is our hope. And now we have a hope for the future because he's going to give us this glory, this, this this revelation, the understanding of him that, that, that that's going to blow our mind like the first time. Have you ever seen a kid bite into a tootsie roll for the first time? You saw Bree do it? Yeah, you were there. Like, have you saw a kid bite into a piece of candy for the first time and like their, their taste buds just go. <laughs> and so the future hope is going to be so beautiful. It's going to be so far greater than our taste buds can ever imagine. And so today we want to talk about that future hope. I think that's what we want to talk about. <laughs> that future hope and what we should look like based upon that future hope, and so Job said as he was talking about how reeds uh, can't grow without water. He says that they're no more good; they should just be broken down. And then he goes on to say that those who have forsaken God have no hope, just like those reeds weed, that don't have water. He says, such are the paths of all those who forget God. The hope of the goodness shall perish. Uh, the hope of the godless. Sorry, I can I can read the hope of the godless shall perish. And some of us in this room today, we've lost hope because we've separated ourselves from God. God hasn't separated himself from us. We've separated ourselves from God. Like the proverb said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so when our heart gets sick, we start putting our trust in other things. And not in the Christ who came to give us salvation and to bring us back into relationship with Christ and I mean, with God. And therefore, we should have hope. We should have hope. And so Hebrews chapter six, if you have a Bible, meet me there. You know why? uh, Sure, me straight. So Hebrews chapter six, starting at verse nine, we're going to read through verse twenty, and then we're going to extrapolate some truths from this this morning. Then we'll uh, we'll reflect and we'll go home. Amen. So Hebrews chapter nine, chapter six, verse nine. Thank you. It says, "Though we speak in a way in this way." Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes and oaths, is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his promise, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone and as forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. May God bless his word. And so we see here as the author of Hebrew, some equated to Paul, others said it wasn't Paul. There's an author. Somebody wrote it, though. The author of Hebrews starts out in verse nine. And in verse nine, he says that this is the only time in the whole book that he he encounters the people who are going to hear what he's writing as beloved. And the reason being because he just got through saying some harsh realities to these people. See, the Hebrew uh, 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 audience were Jewish, and sometimes they tried to go back to the old way of doing things. They were trying to go back to the old way of doing things. And God was saying, no, 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 you don't understand. What was revealed in Christ subverts that. Because Christ came in fulfillment of the law. And now he has shown us behind the curtain and now we have some other truths. And so he says, beloved, he had to tell them, beloved, because I, I know their hearts were ripped. He was like, beloved, it ain't what you think it is. He said, there are certain things that are involved in your salvation package. Look at verse 9. He says, we feel sure of better things that belong to salvation. People were in a place where they were thinking they could lose their salvation. That they lost it. They blew it too big. This was a big one, Elizabeth. Like, God ain't going to hang out with me no more. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm persuaded of better things concerning your salvation. And in verse 10, where we really want to spring, What it says, for God is not unjust. So as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still listen your salvation is not based upon works don't hear that because we're going to address that in a few minutes but what he's saying is like god sees listen to this he sees the fruit of your salvation he understands that you are saved he understands that you have placed your hope in him and he saying it's evidence by the things that you do Sometimes we don't feel like doing stuff, but we did it in the past. And said God is not unjust to forget those things. He's not unjust to forget those things. We forget. And God is saying, listen, I'm not unjust to forget those things. I understand what you did, especially the things that you did in the household of faith. Listen, some of us in the room today, you have to drag yourself in here. Keep dragging yourself in here. You have to force yourself to talk to your neighbor who you feel like slapping the taste buds out their mouth sometimes. You have to force yourself to deal with your kids in a loving and Christian way because kids do what kids do. You have to you have to you have to just uh, 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 you just have to give it all you got sometimes to love your spouse because your spouse. We ain't even got to talk about that. And so what should we deduce from this? Listen, listen, listen. If you don't hear nothing else today, true hope should be on display. If you really have hope in God, if you have hope in salvation, it should be on display. Not in display in a way like, look at me, here I am. But your actions, your feet should follow your mouth. Your hands should be doing the things that you know need to be done for one who has professed a faith and a hope in Christ. Yeah. And read the Bible. Just do a cursory read of the Bible. You will see that faith and hope are lockstep together. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest needs of love. Listen, it's lockstep together. And so Christians, we should not be those without hope. We just don't like wait. And so what God is trying to teach us in this season is this thing, it's a dirty word, it's a dirty word, it's a dirty word, it's a long word, it starts with a P, perseverance. Some of y'all was really writing on a dirty word, right? Because y'all know, I just. Perseverance. Perseverance means that I will, listen, listen, I will withstand the pressure until my breakthrough comes. I'm going to withhold and I'm going to stand against it until my breakthrough comes. Not until they hit my last nerve. Not until it gets too hard and I start shaking. Anybody who works out in the room, I don't. I'm allergic to weights. <laughs> I go in the gym, I start sneezing. I ain't going to lie to you. But I've heard that those who work out, like the first few reps are just there to get you to the of reps. It's the last rep that muscle grows. And God is trying to get us to the last rep. God is trying to get us to a place that we can truly hope in Jesus that despite my current circumstance, I can see the future. And I say the future hope makes this worth it. I'm OK right now. And God is trying to get us out of this culture where we just punt. We punt on first down. He's trying to get us to a place where he says, listen, you can withstand the pressure because you understand who I am. He's trying to get us to know him. And so he came so that we can understand that his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Now we see a piece of why Jesus came. Because those who have lost sight of God have no hope, but he came so that he might be our hope. He might be the shining example of how we should live our lives. Some of us think, well, I'll never be able to live like Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. And I ain't. But he would not have told us to follow him. He would not have told us to live like him if he didn't think that we could do certain things to look like him. And what the church is lacking today, I, I, listen, I, this is not doom or gloom. This is to encourage. What the church is lacking today is the ability to look like Christ to a world that needs to see hope. Paul said these words, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I got to ask you this morning, where's your hope? Where's your hope? What was that, verse 10? So God's not going to overlook your work. He says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. He wants us to be persevering. He wants us to be working towards some things. And again, this is not works-based, but it's faith afterwards. We're saved by grace through faith unto good works. And so we work because we're saved, not we work to get saved. But he says, I need to see a little earnestness in your life. And so hope should be displayed, and there should be a certain earnestness behind your hope. Paul said, y'all don't turn. What did my translation say? My, my, my translation says sluggish, don't it? You don't turn sluggish on the things of the Lord. Anybody remember when you first got saved? Anybody ever been, anybody in the room been saved more than five, ten years? They still had Christian bookstores? <laughs> you was all up in there, weren't you? You was in there looking at music and say, if you like Tupac, you'll love 3-pop. <laughs> that brother don't sound nothing like no 2 They don't I don't know what they thinking. <laughs> yeah. You remember that? If you love Jodice, you love D.C. Talk. How? <laughs> what can't sing like JoJo and KC? <laughs> but you was in there, and you went to the Bible section. There was a wall of Bibles, and you were looking, and you determined which was the big, best Bible, Bible, which one was the biggest. You're looking for the big Bible. What's the big Bible? Is hardcover, better than softcover. What's the big Bible? And you got that big old Bible, and you walked around, you showed up to church just happy. Anybody get the little leather case to go with the Bible? You put your pens in, and your highlighters, and your markers, and you was excited about church. You showed up to church. Three months later, you don't know where that Bible is. (laughs) Anybody see my Bible? Lost and found, yeah. Pass up there every week. Somebody left their Bible. It's been back here for four months. I know your life is dirty, because the Bible ain't with you. Yeah. Didn't want to put your name on the Bible no more because you kept losing it. But you was excited about Jesus, and you were telling your coworkers, you were telling people, you were telling people, and then Christ didn't show up the way that you wanted Him to show up. And then you were like, "Man, you know what? I can be sluggish about this." Ah, you know, I got hope in Jesus. I know He's gonna come eventually. And then before you know it, your life just began to just just not look like the way that it did when you first met Christ. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The woman at the, the, woman at the well? Like, like, we be like, let me get my life together. Then I'm going to start going evangelizing. She just left her water pot right there. She just met Jesus. And she went and got the whole city. But we, we've gotten rejection. You know, people don't really want to hear about God no more. And people don't really, you know, y'all don't want to be all on people's business. And so we just get sluggish and lethargic. And God is saying, listen, listen, listen. If you're going to be persevering, you got to have this, 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 this earnestness towards what you believe. I'm not going to put nobody on blast, but I saw some people going fast and furious after that tootsie roll and that pop. I'm just saying, there was a certain earnestness based on the hope that you was going to be chewing in a minute. Put your picture up in a minute, Reagan. I'm just saying. <laughs> and so we have to have this earnestness towards God that displays that hope in Him. That hope in Him. And so that hope should be based upon not just what we bring, but based upon who He is. That hope should be based upon who he is. Now, watch this. 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Why could, how can we have full assurance? Anybody have full assurance of anything? Most of the I'm 99.9% sure. My car outside. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it's outside. I didn't hear alarm go off, but I can just never know. I anticipate. I hope it's outside. But he's saying, no, no, no. You need to move to a place of full assurance. That means you know without a shadow of a doubt that you know in your shana that God's promises are His promises. And if that's not enough, the Bible goes on to say. He said he that that we can we can count on God. Being uh, uh, establishing his truth on these two things is what he said that God cannot lie, and so he's declared his word, and now he's coming and he's double saying it. I can't even lie, like I would have to stop being God if I was to lie to you. And I don't know God, like, 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 like some people know God, but I believe that God would not want to stop being God if he's God. I don't think I would give up that title if I was God. I know some people like me in the bar. Yeah, I'm looking, I ain't God. Listen, if you was God, you'd be God. You wouldn't having that little crazy thought that you're having right now. And so he establishes it on himself. He says, when you make an oath, you, you, you make the oath on something greater than you. Listen, when we were in the streets, we just said, I put that on my mama. Right? I put that on everything. I put that on God. I, like we, 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 like, man, I put that on God, man. You lying? When you put something on God, you lying. I put that on God. Well, here's the thing. Who can God put it on? That's so what he did. He said, listen. He looked around and he said, who's greater than me so I can make a covenant with these people? But they don't be listening. No, Brianna ain't greater than me. I like Sean, but nope, nope. Dean's nah. So he looked in the mirror and said, I'm going to put it on myself. That if what I'm saying to you is not true, I'll stop being God. I'll resign as God tomorrow. And so we can have hope in him because he's not going to stop being God. And as we said last week, Jesus showed up to declare that he was God. Don't let nobody trick you out of your position. Well, Jesus never quite technically, he never said that he was, yes, he did. He said it all over the Bible. Read it. And so he made this promise to you that you can put your hope in him. And so we need to get to that place where we put our hope in him. And where does it start? Perseverance. Where does it start? Doing the disciplines that we know are in place that are in place in order for us to get closer to him so that we can understand that Emmanuel is truly with him and the hope inside of me will begin to grow. That's what we need to do. And so, some of you might be looking at me blank face, like, "What, what, what, what are the these disciplines you're talking about? What are these disciplines you speak of?" Start with prayer. Listen, prayer doesn't change God; it changes you. First off, you have to have a glimmer of hope to pray to God. And we used to pray to God when we ain't got no hope in nothing else. When the bank accounts looking kind of funny, you know how our bank account's set up. You know, it's looking kind of funny, so you know I got, you know, I, mean, I guess I'll pray. I've exhausted every other opportunity, Or when we go to the doctor and that mold that you got on vacation is growing, okay, Lord Jesus, just don't let it be what I want it to be. I'm not going to even mention what I don't want it to be, Lord, but you know what it is. So, Lord, 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 you get real urgent about that. But when he's calling you to be closer to him, you're do you, that you in a minute, God. It's a start prayer. Because first off, you don't believe, you don't pray to someone that you don't believe can, can can give what you're asking for. So that's a glimmer of faith there. And then when we begin to pray, what it does is it helps us to have this expectation of God. And that expectation of God is like, God, I believe you and I know you will do according to your will what you said you would do. And so God, I ain't got to worry about it. I prayed about it. I just lay it at your feet. Like the old psalm, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear, all because we do not carry a couple of things with God in prayer. Because I just, I just, I'm just too busy. I don't even take, like, like, if it's, if it's worrying you, it's prayer worthy. If you look in the mirror and you see a thing that you don't like, it's prayer worthy. As a matter of fact, it should be the first priority for you to pray for that thing. We should be saturating everything in prayer. We should be people of prayer. Why? Because we hope in God. We got to transfer our hope from ourselves to God. We need to hope in God. Secondarily, read his word. God doesn't display himself outside of the character of what we've seen in his word. If somebody tell you God is a certain way and you haven't seen in his word and it's contrary to the way that he's presented himself in his word, you need to tell them you tripping. Paul said if even an angel comes to you and tells you something different than what. Don't you listen to it. Because in the last days we we, we 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 want to get to the center of the rope up so bad that we just we, we got itching ears. Find me a way I can do it without licking it. Find me a way I can do it. And someone comes with this persuasive argument, and it sounds good. And we know that God doesn't take shortcuts. God is not a microwavable God. I'm going to say this, this is going to get on some people's nerves. Don't take this the wrong way. Listen. I've seen people on the Internet now. And they're declaring across the Internet. I see out of 10,000 people on the Internet, surely somebody will fall into this category. Other people are hearing it and go, that's my word. Now that wasn't for you. You don't even know that, man. You ain't heard it. You just, we just, oh, God said it. God, how do you know? I was on a Periscope stream the other day, and somebody said it, and God, and you ain't prayed to God in seven months, and that was your word. Now, I'm not putting that out of the realm of possibility that God could do something like that. But chances are, chances are that you haven't been working towards a breakthrough, and now God's going to miraculously give you a breakthrough because somebody said you got a breakthrough. And we got these itching ears and we start chasing this and we start chasing these things. And we got to hear word, we got to hear word. and God's like, no, I have you in the midst of the situation so you can develop perseverance. I have you in the midst of the thing that you're going through so you can turn back to me. There is no easy believism. So stop praying for all these prayer clothes and and these bottles of water from the Holy Land and trying to get get to it quickly. It's not going to happen. We got to go through the valley of the shadow of death. God has to tear some of these things off of us. He has to grow us up. He has to mature us. He has to develop us. There's no easy way to it. You might as well just hunker down and say, I have hope in Christ. And I believe that the thing that he started inside of me, Philippians 1, 6, that he's faithful to bring it to perfection. And that is my hope. God wants so, he wants so urgently, beloved, that you look like Christ. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to just rescue you from every one of your situations. He is not the the, the fairy godmother. He's not a genie in a bottle who's going to show up and give you three wishes. He's going to say, listen, I'll walk with you through it, but you got to go through it. And so don't let people continue to trick you out of your place. Find yourself in his word. Find yourself in prayer. Find yourself in Christian community. And I'm not just saying hanging out with people who call themselves Christians, real Christian community. Where people will hold you accountable to some of the stuff that's going on in your life. And they ain't going to just go, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm, I, I ain't getting nobody's business. No, get, you, get yourself around people who going to get in your business. Get yourself around people who will get in your business and tell you, listen, listen, you say, listen, I'm just going off on of what you say. You say you believe in God. You say your hope is in God. People who have their hope in God don't do that. That behavior is not conducive to someone who says they have faith in a holy God. Some of y'all say, I've been in those communities before. I'm just, I'm find one who their best, your best interest is in their heart. And knowing the word for yourself will help you discern if they're telling you the truth or not. Here's the thing: When someone speaks into your life, even when I, even when you show up here on Sunday mornings, I gotta believe that God's been speaking to you, some of y'all, about some of this stuff before y'all showed up. And this should just be confirmation if you're in your word. I shouldn't be telling you something that you ain't never heard before. I ain't never heard that. That's that's that's, that's interesting. If you've been a Christian more than two weeks, you should be hearing some of this stuff. So God is trying to get us to a place where we can develop that hope in Him. I think I had one more point. I don't know. I lost my notes, but. um, Verse 19. Verse 18 says there's a hope set before us in verse 19. He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor to the soul hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Listen, listen. True hope understands what Jesus is currently doing for you. True hope understands what Jesus is currently doing for you. We were joking this weekend. But you remember those old mafia movies? We just kind of look up one of those guys and say, go. I got it. You know it was handled. Because that dude, when he said he got it, it's handled. Somebody going to be sleeping with the fishes? So we have to understand that Christ, if he is the Christ, if he is the Messiah that we say he is, if his resurrection was real and we believe the Bible, and we said last week that's the most important event in history, we have to believe that now he's seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He went behind the curtain, and now he's, a, he, he's the priest in order of Melchizedek. We have to have our trust in it. And listen, that's the anchor for our soul, the scripture just said. Anybody been on a boat before? Right? Yeah. No. the ocean will just push the boat wherever the boat needs to go. Right? But in order to get to a place where you're not pushed to and fro and all over the place, you have to have an anchor. And anchor for y'all who don't know, so I'm just, I'm just, so anchor is this big, heavy object that goes down to the bottom of the ocean and it has a chain. And so no matter where the ocean pushes the boat, it's tethered to the anchor. Life comes with us with all kinds of waves of doctrine. Life comes with us with all kinds of situations and circumstances. Life just batters us. Have you ever been? I like I, I I one I like the beach a little bit for like three seconds. My family loves going to the beach. I don't it's sand everywhere. Everywhere. Like what do you wear to the beach? Like you just throw those clothes away. Like it's just sand everywhere. And it's it, depending on what ocean you go to, some of them stank, you know, like what? It, it's fish in this water or something, you know. It's so but when you're out there amongst the waves, they just come like clockwork. They don't stop. That's how life feels sometimes. It just dashes against you. And you got, God, can I get a reprieve? Can I get? Can... And so what he's trying to teach us in this, in this scripture is, it was a movie with Sandra Bullock, it called Hope Floats. See, the problem with the waves dashing against you is because you're resisting the waves. But if you were able to elevate above it and just float and allow the anchor to keep you where you're supposed to be, even if you start to drift a little bit, you understand I'm anchored. And if I'm drifting, I won't drift too far. This is a beautiful illustration about people who think they can lose their salvation. Said, said, no, 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 no. Your hope is in me. I'm your anchor to your soul. Set it right in your mind. It's Okay. And the waves and the wind are going to come at you. It doesn't mean that you've lost favor with me. It just means you're alive. (laughs) The Bible says life is hard and our days are short. We can't give up. We can't punt on first down. If we punt on first down, we never have the opportunity to throw a Hail Mary. We never have an opportunity to score that that, that end zone touchdown in in, in heroic fashion. I'm talking Rose Bowl 2005, and you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? with a little bit of time left on the clock. Like, you don't have those things. Now, people are saying that was the greatest greatest game in history. I agree with them. I have it on DVD at the house. (laughs) And now I watch that game with a different perspective because I know the outcome. I know the outcome. I know who won. And so when they fumble, I'm like, <laughs> they got no clue. This comeback going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't know how God is going to get glory because the waves are not trying to knock them down. And listen, the waves are trying to knock you down. They're trying to knock you out. They're trying to get you to a place where you just want to give up. And, but the waves don't understand that you're in covenant with God. And under all that that's going on, there's an anchor at bedrock. It's immovable. It's unshaking. I saw an image the other day. I was looking at, I don't know, I was researching anchors because I thought maybe i get some good insight about anchors. What? Anchors or anchors? I don't know. Um, but they had these oil refinery, what's it called, tankers things, right? And they showed the anchor on one of those things. Oh, my God. There was a man standing on top of this, this the, the, the chains, and each link to the chain was 500 pounds. 500 pounds a link. Like when that thing's in the ocean, it ain't going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere. The ocean have to move for it to go somewhere. Like God would have to literally move the ocean for that tanker to move. And that's the assurance that he wants us to have today, that our souls are anchored in him. But it only gets that way if we're earnest and steadfast to do the things that he's qualified us to do. Listen, we don't win salvation that way, but we understand more fully our salvation that way. And There's no other place to put our hope. There's no other place to put our hope. And so listen, today we have to understand that Jesus is our great high priest. Right now, he's seated at the right hand of the father, Making intercession for us. He's went behind the veil, He's seated in the Holy of holies. There's no holier place than where Jesus is right now and this is, and this is he's our elder brother, we are joint heirs with him and listen, we're not seated there yet but we're seated there in Christ. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places. And so when I understand the hope of one day there will be this culmination where the bride of Christ and, 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 and God will come together in this union and the church will be in a full glory. Like I go, you know what? This is just temporary because you don't understand who I'm married to. You don't understand that I'm seated in heavenly places. So situations and circumstances, that try to get me down. (laughs) That's great. I feel the pain of it. I want to cry even, but I'm seated in heavenly places. It hurts. I don't want to take another step, but I'm seated in heavenly places. The doctor's report won't change, but I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm still married to this jerk, but I'm still seated in heavenly places. And so he's not going to stop the wind and the waves from dashing against you. But you can't be anchored in him. And that's the hope this Christmas. That's the hope of glory. That's the hope of promise. And we need to start living like it. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.